Well, I want to draw your attention, first of all, before we pray, and then we're going to pick up with a part two of a message that I began last week, and I believe it's very important word for this season and this time. Uh, you know, we gain understanding from God's word. We appreciate all of those that, that have wisdom and they've spoken into what's been taking place in America, but I'm more grateful for the word of God. And over in Jeremiah chapter 23, you remember Jeremiah confronts the false prophets of his day. And they were those that, you know, they spoke their dreams and the vision of their own heart, but not from the mouth of the Lord. And Jeremiah, or actually the Lord, through Jeremiah says, if you had truly spoken the word of the Lord, you would have led the people back to me, back to the Lord. And it's interesting that uh, over in verse 28, it says, the prophet who has a dream, let him tell his dream. And, uh, but he who has my word, let him speak my word faithfully. And then he goes on to describe, is not my word like a fire? And is not my word like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? And so we see from that that it's not the dream, it's not the prophetic that carries the most weight. And so though we're very thankful for the prophetic ministry, it's the word of God that is like a fire. And then over in chapter 24, just to lead us into where we're going this morning, he said, uh, Jeremiah sharing a vision. He says, the Lord showed me, and there were two baskets of figs set before the temple of the Lord after Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had taken away the captives, and he lists those, the kings in that, that day. And he says, one basket had very good figs, like the figs that are first ripe. It's like when you go to an orange tree and you pick off an orange, you know how, how wonderful that, that first ripe orange is. And the other basket had very bad figs, which could not be eaten, for they were bad. Then the Lord said to me, what do you see, Jeremiah? And he said, I see figs, the good figs, very good, and the bad, very bad, which cannot be eaten because they're so bad. And so in that text, we see these figs, and there were some that were good, but not just good. He says, very good. And then he see, we see the bad and they were the very bad. I believe that's a prophetic word for this season and time, especially in our nation, but across the earth. There's no longer any middle ground. Either we're going to be very much for the Lord, or we're going to be very much against him. That's what Jesus said. Either you're for me, or you're against me. And over in the book of Malachi, you remember it says, then again... And I believe it's referring to these days that you shall again discern between the wicked and the righteous, between those who serve God and from those who do not serve God. Remember that verse over in Revelation that says, speaking of, you know, let those that are wicked be wicked still and let those that are righteous be righteous still. And I believe that's the time in which we're living. We're going to see the very good and the very evil. And that's what this subject is about. So Lord, I thank you for this
time together. I thank you, God, for your word. Lord, we thank you for the gifts. We thank you for those that have spoken prophetically into these times. But we thank you that it is your word that is like a fire and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. And Lord, we ask for understanding. We ask for revelation. And, uh, and we would hear, give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church in this hour. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning, we're going to review some of what we spoke of in the previous message. And the title was Standing in the Face of Evil. It might be better to say standing firm in the face of evil or standing strong or standing as an overcomer. Now, we spoke of this last week and we looked at you know, there are many wondering what's happening in America. And my question would be, can God change what we see happening, what's taking place? And of course he can. Of course he can change anything. But our faith is not in the changes. Our faith is in God who never changes. Remember, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they were tossed into the fire before that. And they said, our God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow. They're not, they were not going to bow the knee to the bale of that hour. And so it is in our day. Our God can change anything. And he is in the business of changing lives, changing hearts. But regardless of the circumstances we find ourselves in, regardless of who occupies the White House or what government we have, still Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And speaking of occupy, that's what God's called us to. The scripture says, and Jesus says, we're to occupy. Do the Father's business until he comes. Be about, be engaged in the Father's will. Now, we spoke of last week some of the reactions after the, the elections and especially after, you know, the inauguration that took place. And we're not going to go over all of those different reactions again, except to mention the last one. And that was, regardless, there, there are people that are preparing now to occupy. They're preparing to run the race with endurance. They're getting battle ready. They're in the word. They're in prayer. And they're determined to do the Father's will. And I believe that's where most of you are. I believe you wouldn't be a part of this congregation or you wouldn't be a, on this uh, particular broadcast unless that's your heart to be those who are going to do the Father's will regardless of what is happening in the earth and especially in our own nation. I mentioned last week there was a book that I had ordered. It was the title of it was The Military Guide to Armageddon. And I got it this week, but we were down in Florida, so I didn't have a chance to get into it. But I saw it had arrived when we got home, and I'm looking forward to get into it. Getting, because it's a, written by these military men, spirit-filled, and their calling is to train the body of Christ to be an overcomer, to walk in the supernatural, to walk in the gifts of the Spirit in the season and the times in which we're living. So we're going to get into that. But, you know, regardless of that book, the number one best-selling book still in all of history is God's Word. And my people, P 
perish for a lack of knowledge in the word. We want to be the people that put our trust in what God has said. His word is a lamp unto our feet. His word is a lamp, a light unto our path. His word shows us where we are, where we're going, where we've been. We can look in the rearview mirror and see where we've been. But our focus is where we're going, and that's what we want to talk about today. Now, if you were a part of last week, if you weren't, you should go back and get in on that, be a part of that. But we looked at some truths before we got into really the meat of what we were talking about. There are some truths in the Scripture, and it's out of Philippians, that speak to this hour, that speak to where you and I are at this very moment in history. And the first one is in verse 6 of Philippians chapter 1. It says, being confident. You should be confident. We're not confident in men. My confidence in men is wane, but my confidence in God is grown. And he says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Now, to complete it, means, you know, you bring it to fruition, perfection, to maturity, that you're going to, God's going to finish what he started. He doesn't begin something and then give up. He finishes. But notice, it's not the work that he's doing through us. And that's where many today get in trouble. Their whole focus is on their ministry and what God is doing through me. That scripture says that God will finish what he began in us, the good work that he began in us. And it's something we must keep in mind. Nothing is going to cut the, sh- the work short of that he's begun in us. He's going to complete it. And then down in verse 12, he says, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happen to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. That should be our attitude in this hour. The things that have happened in the nation, the things that happen in our own individual lives, God can use even what is intended for evil to actually further the gospel in our lives and in the land, in the nation, in the nations of the earth. And that's our hope. And I wanted you to be confident in that. Whatever's going on, God will use it to further his purpose and his kingdom. And then over in verse 19, Another scripture, he says, for I know that this will turn out. Now, Paul was in prison. So he's looking at his own experience. He said, I know this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of Jesus Christ. And uh, boy, I tell you, you know as well, God is raising up houses of prayer all over the earth today. The ministry of intercession is maybe the most important thing that we can be involved in. Because it's the prayers of the saints that can impact which way nations go and the things that happen in those nations, but also the supply of Jesus Christ. And then in verse 20, and we spoke of this last week. I had to memorize this scripture when I was a young, young, I guess maybe in my 20s. It says, according to my earnest expectation and hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but now, with all boldness, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What does Paul mean by that? He meant that it, it's not about me. It's not about my ministry, regardless of what happens, whether I live or whether I die, 
I pray that my life will count for him, that he would be magnified. It's not about whether I live or die. It's not about whether you live or die, that Christ be magnified. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And I believe that is very important truth that we need to understand. You know, death for the believer is not the end of the story. It's just the beginning of what we've been prepared for. Uh, we're going to be there a whole lot longer than we're going to be here. You know, that in that verse, verse 20 and 21, boldness means courage, that I might have courage, boldness, freedom in speaking, frankness, assurance, confidence, openness, uh, publicly before all, that I would be bold in my speech. And I'm telling you, this is the hour to be bold and not to shy away from the truth and then to be magnified, that Christ may be magnified means to, to enlarge, to amplify, to be uh, exalted. And so we want him to be exalted. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now I want to go back and pick up and, uh, where we spoke last week, just review some things and then go from there. But this is a very important message. What are we going to do in this hour? Are you going to just try to run for the hills, hide, build a, a bomb shelter? No, they did that back in, you know, many years ago. They built bomb shelters for fear of nuclear war. And, you know, nuclear war may be one of the calmer things that happens. We don't know what's going to happen from here to the end of the age. Jesus gives us a whole list of things. He didn't shy away from the truth. But he's taught us something in the word. And I think the Bible gives us an indication. So listen to this. Verse 12 of Ecclesiastes chapter 9. What an amazing verse. It says, like fish taken in a cruel net or an evil net. Like birds caught in a snare. So the sons of men are snared in an evil time when it falls suddenly upon them. Now, looking back at that verse, we see that he gives an example like fish. All of a sudden, they're caught in a cruel net, and they can't get out. Or, a, you know, the birds that are caught in a snare that soar the sons of men when an evil time comes on them suddenly. And so you look at that, it's like all of a sudden, things we didn't expect or we thought would never happen in our lifetime, all of a sudden happens. So what are we going to do about it? We're going to trust in God. We're going to see what God says in his word. We're going to stand. In fact, down in verse 18, it says, Wisdom is better than weapons of war. We can have all the weapons in this hour. I'm telling you, it's not the weapons that are created by men that will see the greatest victories in this hour. It's the weapons of heaven. He's the Lord of hosts, and wisdom is better than all the, the weapons of war. So the title, Standing in the Face of Evil, because we don't want to be snared in the suddenness when things happen that we didn't expect. We want to know what the Bible says about it. Now, we got to understand, we mentioned also last week, you cannot have victories unless you have battles. To have a victory, you have to have a battle. You cannot be an overcomer until there's something to overcome. And Jesus spoke of, in many times in the book of Revelation, to those that overcome. He gave the greatest promises. 
Now, let's look back at some of the things we just touched on. Number one, this time has not caught God off guard. He knew all that was going to happen. He knew it when you were born, even before you were born. In fact, if I understand the scriptures correctly, I believe we were created with these days in mind, that our, all of our days were numbered, written in a book. And so he's been preparing us. You know, I hear people say, when is God going to do something about, you know, the mess that we see? going on in the nation and the, some of the things we see coming to pass. You know, the truth is he's already done something about it. First of all, he sent his son and Jesus died on the cross. He made a public spectacle of the devil. Then he rose from the dead. And then you know what else he did? He sent Jesus, not only he sent his son, but Jesus sent you and me. I've heard people say, why don't God do something? He has. And he's using us. He's going to use you. He's going to use me in this hour. Our response should be, even so, come, Lord Jesus. But also it should be, Lord, here am I. Send me. And people all over. Right now, there's an awakening happening. People are saying, God, I want you to use me in this hour. And then the next thing, when you're faced with evil, we have to understand that this has been... The Lord has been teaching the church to pray along these lines for over 2,000 years. Now, last week, we led the guys that were here at the gathering in the Lord's Prayer. We won't do that again. But you know, we've been praying for over 2,000 years. Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. How many of you know it's going to happen? God's going to answer that prayer. His kingdom is going to come. In fact, it's the only kingdom that's on the increase of the increase of his government, there shall be no end. And peace. And the will of God is going to be done on the earth. The only thing required, other than he taught us to pray that, is that you and I surrender to his will. That we participate. That we co-labor in the will of God on the earth. And that's what we're about. Remember, it was written. The Lord said it's written in, in the volume of, of the book. Uh, taken from Psalms, that I delight to do your will. And it's written in us as well. But also, in the Lord's Prayer, we've been praying for over 2,000 years to forgive us our sin as we forgive those, our debtors that have sinned against us, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, how does he deliver us? Well, sometimes he delivers us from even the presence of evil before we even see anything happen. And that happens sometimes. Other times, he delivers us through the valley of the shadow of death. And we see many examples of that. We see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're an example of that. And then sometimes he delivers us after we've gone through it and everything is over. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Believers all through history have discovered that the sufferings of this present age do not even begin to compare with the glory that he's prepared for us. And so we trust in him. And then remember, we went over into Second uh, Timothy chapter 3. It talks about the perilous times. Paul said, know this, that in the last days there will be perilous times. You know, men will be lovers of themselves and and boasters and proud and traitors and and we go through there was all kinds of things in that list lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God 
But then he says there would be evil men and imposters growing worse, deceived and being deceived. Now, we looked at that and we, we took note. You know, the scripture says that not all the bad guys get served indictments and end up in Guantanamo Bay. That's what many people had hoped would happen. But God may have a different plan. It's his will that none should perish. And so maybe he's given the bad guys a little bit more time to come to the realization that they need a savior. And, um, you know, I believe God's ways are higher than our ways. But it didn't say all the bad guys are going to be arrested. It said, no, evil men and imposters are going to grow worse and worse, worse and worse. So what are we going to do about it? Well, we're going to know what God says. Now, the word evil in that context means bad, unsound, envious, covetous, wicked, evil, malignant. That's what evil is. It's like a malignancy. It's like a cancer that spreads throughout the whole body. And then the word imposter is like it comes from the Greek word like a juggler. And that's what the enemy's doing. He's like he's juggling and we're paying attention while the enemy's doing something behind the scenes. And that's one of his tactics in this day. So remember, why is all this happening? Jeremiah gave us a good clue when he said, the heart is deceitful and wicked, evil above all things. Who can know it? You know, the truth is, while some are masking up, in this year, many, their masks are coming off. And we're seeing who they really were in their heart. It's not by their profession. It's who they really are. You'll know them by their fruit. And the heart is deceitful. There's some really bad figs and the really good ones. And the truth is we all have been infected with a virus that's going to kill us all unless we find the remedy. That virus is sin. And the only remedy is the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And then over in Ephesians chapter 5, remember he said, walk wisely because the days are evil redeeming the time because the days are evil walk circumspectly is what the scripture says and it refers to our walking carefully this is the hour not just to you know to run headlong without any time waiting before God I'm just telling you we're to be wise as serpents harmless as doves we cannot turn to the left nor right. We need wisdom. Wisdom is better than weapons of war. Wise as a serpent. Be like the, the wise virgins, not the foolish virgins. Because he says, walk circumspectly. It means carefully in this hour. Hearing his voice, not the dictates of our own heart, but hearing his voice, redeeming the time. You know, there is someone that's, doing a much better job of redeeming the time than us. You know who that is? The devil. Revelation chapter 12. It says that he knows he only has a short time. And woe to the inhabitants of the earth, for great is his wrath. And he's working his works because he knows he only has a short time. And so it is you and me. We need to be redeeming the time. There's an urgency about the hour. You know, many of us... I think we've come to realize things aren't going back to normal. Well, it's, it's for our benefit. It's for our good. 
All of these are happening for the furtherance of the gospel. The most important thing that happens right now is that we finish the task that he's given us to do. He said, even as my father sent me, so I'm sending you. And then remember over in Genesis and chapter 6, how God saw the wickedness that was on the earth. And it says he was grieved and he was sorry that he even made men. And uh, every intent of man's heart was only evil continually. And so there were two groups. There were those that he judged, and then there were those that he drew unto himself. There was that righteous remnant. And there is a righteous remnant, my friend. There are those 7,000 that haven't bowed the need to Baal, the need to Baal. And so we're grateful. But we're seeing this rising. The, the cup of iniquity is being full. And you may wonder, God, when's this going to happen? Or when's this going to end? Well, I'm going to tell you that wickedness and evil is going to get worse and worse. But at the same time, the darkness will cover the earth and gross darkness, the people, the glory of the Lord is going to rise over a certain group of people in the earth as well. Now, let's just pick it up and go from there. There's a couple more things. Then we're going to pray. And I'm, I believe there is an anointing for this hour in which we're living. And I've always felt that. And I felt like this, I mean, that God was preparing me. You should feel that way as well. He's prepared us for these times. I think we're going to even find out we're much more prepared than we ever dreamed because our God is a good Lord. He's, he is Lord. He's the only Lord. Ephesians chapter 6, and uh, just remind you of some things. And I know you'll remember all these scriptures, verse 10, verse 11. Finally, my brethren, be strong. What? In the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. And in the power of not your own might, not your military might, not whatever. It's the might of the Lord. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in against the wiles of the devil. And then he goes on, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. And uh, therefore, verse 13, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand. Now I would ask you, when do you think in that context is the evil day? It's today. And he gave us two things, command. Number one, withstand. The word withstand means to oppose, resist, stand out against. Now I want to meddle a little bit. You know, recently we found out how many in the Congress were really willing to stand up and oppose and resist evil. And there were not as many as we thought there would have been. And well, so it is in the church. What if we'd been standing against the evils of abortion? What if we'd been bold and declare that marriage is between a man and a woman and not back up no matter what the threat? And what if we had been more bold? And you know, in the book of Revelation, it says how, uh, you know, not only the adulterers and fornicators and all of those will 
go into the lake of fire, but the cowards, the cowards are those that are first. They're the first ones that'll be thrown. So he said, number one, withstand. Number two, stand. That means to stand fast, stand firm, be permanent. How can you be permanent when everything around you is shaking in this hour? The only way is to stand on the solid rock, stand on the kingdom. We're receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Means stand in in place, be confirmed, be proved. Now, I didn't come from a denomination that, you know, made me go through confirmation classes. My wife did. She, I don't know how old, what are you, 12 or whatever it is, you go through confirmation classes. And they meet sometimes on a Sunday afternoon, maybe Sunday evening. And you learn some of the basic doctrines. And then you're confirmed. It's like they put a big stamp on you and they bring you up. And they say, these have passed confirmation class. Well, how many of you found out that was not enough to overcome the evil that we're facing? In fact... I think what's going to happen is we're going to really find out those who were confirmed from those who really were not. The wicked from the righteous, just like Malachi says. We're to be confirmed in the faith, confirmed in Christ Jesus, marked and stamped by the blood of the Lamb, which means you have to repent of your sin and turn to Him by faith. And then over in Galatians, another scripture that speaks to the evil times that we're living in. And these are all, there's much more than we have time to look at. But in Galatians Galatians chapter 1, verse 3, grace to you and peace. Man, I'm just telling you, the grace of God is never going to run out. You're going to have more grace than you know what to do with in this hour. The greatest grace will come at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That is to be brought to you. This is, these are the days of the revelation of Jesus Christ, and there will be a grace given and peace from the Father and our Lord Jesus, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this, now listen, present evil age. Now notice this is looking back. And it's the, in the present tense, but it's based on an event that happened in the past. Who gave himself for our sins that he might, in the present, deliver us from this present evil age. As a father and mother, as a grandfather and grandmother, this is one of the greatest prayers you can pray for your children. Lord, I thank you because of what you did on the cross at Calvary. You redeemed. You paid the price, and Lord, you made a way to deliver my son and my daughter out of this present evil age, that you might redeem us, and according, it goes on and says, according to the will of our God. When you pray this over your son or your daughter, you're praying that which is the will of God, that God, because of what he did on the cross, he will deliver in this hour us from this present evil age, because they're going to have to live in it. We're going to have to live in it, but our children, the next generation. You know, we're living in a time where people are saying, well, what's going to happen next? And if you want to know, just you look at all the things that are coming to you on the internet, although we're finding a lot of that stuff was misinformation. I can tell you, the greatest event has already happened. It was 2,000 years ago. 
when Jesus died and rose from the dead. And then over in Daniel chapter 11 and verse 32, I won't read there, but you can go look at it. But actually, if you'll back up and read verse 31 and then verse 33, before you read verse 32, you will see that wickedness was on the increase. And there was the desolation, the abomination, things that were going on, evil advancing, all these things. And yet in the midst of that verse, those verses, there's a promise. It says, then those that know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. And so in the midst of the greatest evil known to man, and that's where we're heading eventually, it's going to get a lot worse, worse and worse before it ultimately gets better. But in the midst of that, there will be a people who know their God, and they'll be those who will accomplish great exploits. They will do the will of the Father. They'll be engaged. And that's our ministry right now. We've got to see that people are encouraged. They're, they're confident. They're battle-ready for the hour. They're trained in the Scriptures, and we're going to do that. And then over to the best of our ability. The Holy Spirit's the greatest trainer, the greatest discipler. But that's part of our task as well. And then over in Romans in chapter 12, and let me just read that to you. Romans chapter 12, beginning with verse 17. Very familiar, but it's very important. He says, repay no one evil for evil. Now this is important in the time in which we're living. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. What about those that abuse you and misuse you and betray you and sell you out and everything else? Well, he goes on, he talks about it. He says, in as much as possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. What does that mean? It means that vengeance is the Lord's. And if you don't take vengeance on evil, then you'll find that God will come and defend you. And he will, his wrath, in fact, the the wicked are already under the the wrath of God. We have been delivered from the wrath of God. For he says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Now here's for us. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's going to be a great challenge in our hour. I had a dream, I guess last week. And uh, anyway, I knew there was a man just appeared in the dream. And I knew he was up to no good. And he was up to no good for me. And he, he was not my friend. And uh, my, I could just tell that uh, he had some evil intentions. And I just knew in the dream. I just knew this man had an evil intent for me. So there was another man there with me. And he was a believer. So we grabbed hands in the dream and started praying fervently. For this guy, that evil had evil intent for me and the guy we we're praying with. But we knew it, but we we're praying, holding hands, say, oh, God, we pray, deliver him from evil. God, we pray for his soul. We pray for salvation in the name of Jesus. And we were praying. We were interceding. 
And I believe that's what we're going to have to do in this hour. Remember what Jesus said. We'll just refer to that over in Matthew chapter 5 and and verse 43 says, You've heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Jesus said, You've heard that it was said. But I say to you, love your enemies. Love your enemies. How in the world are we going to do that in this hour? The only if we know him who is love, and he, he loves through us. It's the only way I know. But he says, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Like I saw the man was going to do in the dream. And what do you get out of it? You don't do it for what you get. But here's what happens. It's evidence. It says that you may be. This is a sign that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. You're going to go through things just like this man or this, these people. So you have a testimony that you're a son of God, that you are called to a higher standard. And then he goes on, he challenges, if you only love people when all things are going well, what kind of love is that? But then in verse 48, therefore you shall be perfect. Just as your Father in heaven is perfect. And the word perfect means complete. It means that Father, that we're to be as Him in that we're called, it really means, to a higher standard than the world. We're going to go through some of the same things. The rain falls on the just and the unjust, but we're called to a higher standard. Our standard is to love. Our standard is to bless. Our standard is to feed those that are hungry. And then over in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3. But the Lord is faithful. The Lord is faithful. This is one of those you want to pray over your children. Lord, I thank you. You are faithful. Who will establish my son, my daughter, and guard him or her from the evil one? Establish means to set, to set in direction to be mentally settled, to stand immovable, to strengthen. To guard means to keep under restraint. Now, if you're like me, you know, we know that evil can only advance if the restraint is lifted to a degree. It looks like to me that's what's happened in the earth. But God is still able to put a restraint, a restraining order around his people to protect, to guard, to deliver in the midst of an advancing evil, God is going to demonstrate his faithfulness. He's faithful. He's a faithful God. The courts may fail you. You know, the government may fail you. But God's government never will. The Lord is faithful. Then over in John chapter 17, Jesus prayed. And this is how we'll wrap it up. He said, I do not pray Now listen to this, because I know a lot of people are waiting to be rescued out of this present evil age. But listen to what he said. I do not pray that you will take them out of the world, but that you, Father, should keep them from the evil one. That means to maintain, reserve, preserve, and to shield. And so if he doesn't 
immediately take us out, God's going to do something with us in the midst. He's going to demonstrate the power of his son that not only could he save us from sin, he could save us from an advancing evil that's going to move forward over the earth because God's going to have a testimony that his righteousness truly is righteous and that he is the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. Now, how do we wrap all this up? This is part two of this message, standing in the face of evil. Now, you could, you know, you could forget all this. You could just go and try and pretend none of this is happening. I have, I'm just telling you, it ain't going to work. It's happening on our watch. Men are evil. The bad figs, they're not only bad, they're very bad. So you and I are to be among the very good and to demonstrate who he is in this hour and pray You know, even bad figs can become really good figs by the power of the cross and the gospel of Jesus Christ, the shed blood of Jesus. Now, just in closing, the greatest battles in all of history are right around the corner. You know, when Armageddon is coming, I know not when. And whether, all I know is we're heading in that direction. But I know all this, that Regardless of the battles that we are involved in in this hour, number one, we've been called to this moment. You have a calling to live in the year 2021 and beyond. God knew that you would be alive on the earth at this season and time. He's been preparing you even from the foundation of the world. Number two, these days have not caught him off guard. It's not even possible. God is not wringing his hands. He that sits in the heavens will laugh. But we've looked at that scripture in the context. He doesn't laugh forever. Later on it says, and then he will hold them in derision. And he will speak to them in his wrath. The next thing is he's with us in these battles because the battles ultimately are his They're ours because we are his sons and daughters, and we're in this fight. The greatest battles, they're spiritual battles, and they're all assigned against God. But I'm telling you, God is going to defend his own self in this hour. We're going to see that. And then remember that though evil may seem to come out of the closet, take off its mask, it's only for a short time. Jesus will ultimately come and crush. The God of peace will crush Satan under his feet. There are those today that know exactly what they're doing. And they're influencing many others to carry out, you know, their policies. But there are those that know they are Satanists. And they've they've stuck their fist in the face of Almighty God. But I'm telling you, it's a battle they're not going to win. But until... We have the promise that the greatest victory has already occurred. And that was a victory that occurred when Jesus died and rose from the dead. So I would just remind us, time is running out, my friend. There's an urgency about this hour. And if you've been delaying being about the Father's business, there's no longer any time to delay. It's time to do the will of the Father. They are those that will truly, not only those who call him Lord, 
but those who have made him Lord because they, they're doing the will of their Father which is in heaven. But we need to know him. We need to make sure that we've been forgiven of our sin, that we've been cleansed, that we're ready to meet him should this be the last day that we spend on the earth. Now I want to pray two prayers. And first I'm going to pray for those that may be watching and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You're not certain if, if you died this day that you would spend eternity in heaven. My friends, that's the most important decision you'll ever make. And uh, no one can come to him when they want to. They come when he draws them. We're drawn by the Holy Spirit. And he'll draw you right now as we're praying. And I believe that's going to happen. You've got to repent of your sin. And that means turn. You confess your sin. You say, God, I've sinned against you. And I've fallen short of your expectation for my life. And I turn my life over to you. I choose this day to follow you. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We're going to pray that. And then I'm going to pray for the believers. That God will strengthen you in this hour. That he'll flood you with grace and peace that he'll remind you that he's been praying for you and we've been, the whole church has been praying for over 2,000 years that he would deliver us from evil. And however he chooses to do that, whether before or in the middle or after, it's all over as a testimony to his grace and his keeping power, he's going to be faithful. And there's an anointing that God wants to give us in this hour to walk in this day it's a day unlike any other. So first of all, I just want to pray right now for you if you've never met Jesus or maybe you've known him but you've fallen away and you're not as close to him as you used to be. I want to lead you. You pray with me and I believe God's going to do something right now in your heart. This is going to be an impactful moment for all of eternity. So just say, dear God, I believe in you. I need you. I confess that I'm a sinner and I choose to put my faith in Jesus Christ. I believe that he is the son of God, that he died on the cross and that he rose from the dead. I ask you to forgive me, cleanse me. I choose by faith to turn from my sin and I turn to faith in you. And I receive you, Jesus, into my heart as my Lord and Savior from this moment on. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the fire of God that I might live the rest of my days for you. And I pray that my whole family, my whole household would be saved. Use me, God. Use me to bring you glory in this hour. If you prayed that prayer, I'm going to encourage you to contact us. And um, we will do what we'll send you some literature we've, that we have prepared to help you get off on a good foundation in the Word. Try to connect you with believers where you live. But I want to pray for those that are believers and um, those that are part of this congregation, you've known the Lord maybe for many years. You've never, you thought, I never thought I would see a day like today. 
I thought we'd be long gone. Well, regardless, regardless of the outcome, regardless of what is in men's hearts, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we have a God that never changes. And our faith is rooted and grounded in that which is eternal. And God wants to show us that. You know, the kingdom of God is peace, righteousness, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And we described last week, it's peace in the midst of war. It's righteousness in the midst of evil and wickedness. When everybody around you is choosing to go the opposite way, you can follow him. There's power to overcome because of the grace that he's brought to you. So peace and righteousness and joy. Joy in the midst of what looks like only would bring sorrow. That's the kind of God we serve. So I want to pray for you. God, I thank you for those watching. Lord, I pray that you would encourage them, fill them with hope. Fill them with faith. God, remind them that regardless of this, all the shaking that is going on around us, that we're standing on ground that is unshakable. The kingdom of God. We are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. And Lord, I just pray right now that you would release a fresh anointing. I thank you that they're called into the kingdom for such a time as this, that these days have not caught you off guard nor will they catch us unprepared. You've been preparing us all of our lives for this hour. And we thank you that you are faithful. The work that you began in us, you will complete it into the day of Christ Jesus. Lord, we're confident that all these things will work out for the furtherance of the gospel. And Lord, we're not going to be ashamed in anything, but with all boldness, Christ will even now be exalted in our, in our bodies, as always. Whether we live or whether we die is not the issue. For to us, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And I pray your blessing, your courage, your strength, your protection. Lord, thank you for the promises for us and our children. You will deliver us out of this present evil age. Thank you for the greatest victory that we know has already happened. It's when you died and you rose from the dead. So I bless them now, and I pray, God, for the fire of God to fall right now in their homes. Wherever they are, let the fire of God fall by faith. And I thank you and trust you. I pray for miracles. I pray for healing, signs and wonders. Lord, those that are struggling against disease, I thank you for the victory. That's in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you. And we'll see you again.